airing the Addisons. Well, let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, we appreciate you tuning in every day. Um, I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. And the topic of our conversation today, and I want to get into it so that we can cover a lot of ground. I, I got a lot of um, pieces of, of history that I, I want to read to you. I don't normally like to just read to you, you know, because, you know, it's not bedtime. But I do have <laughs> a lot that... <laughs> that I want to share with you to make the point that I want to make today. And so I hope that you'll bear with me because I think that the information that I'm going to share with you, of course, I'm, I'm partial to thinking that I'm, I, you know, I can pick the right things that need to be read to you. Right. And so <laughs> I think that it's good. Uh, you'll determine that ultimately. Um, but my question is, can we fight injustice apart from Christ? Mm. Can we fight injustice apart from Christ? Like, can we, in other words, can we take off the Christian label and say, we're going to stand against injustice or can we, and I think this is happening probably more accurately in this way than just saying I'm taking off the Christian label. Can we make the Christian label secondary to any other label that we wear and say, now I'm going to stand for righteousness. I'm going to stand for what is just and what is good and what is true. Mm. Um, I'm asking that question. Will the great would give the answer and then the show would be over. <laughs> <laughs> right. But because we work as a team here, yeah. um, this, this show is brought to you by the letter T, um, and the T is for Thabiti and Abuile oh. and Will, <laughs> Will the Great. This is how we work, guys. And, you know, every now and again, I pull back the curtain to say this is how we operate. So Will is not a big time communicator. I mean, he does when he wants to. He says what he wants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Will, you say what you want. Say what I want. But what you do more often than um, publicly communicating um, is present information to the communicators. Yes. That's what you do. That's what I do. <laughs> You make sure that we don't miss what is happening in culture because, you know, we have different gifts that we that the, the by the grace of God we have that's given for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Right. And for the expansion of the body of Christ. And so um, Will brought this particular series of tweets to my attention this past weekend, of course, in light of everything that's happening in the country. And um, it's one of those things where when you start to think about what is being expressed, well, for me, I will say as a commentator, when I start to think about what is being expressed, my first thought is, well, you know, is there a point that's being made here? Um, is it destructive? Um, is it true? <laughs> is it good? And is it right? You know, mm -hmm. and then I decide, hey, you know, I think we probably um, we probably need to reject this. <laughs> and then, mm -hmm. you know, based on these reasons. Right. And right. so. The question that we begin with here, and we're going to do a, a little bit of a jog around, all right? But the question that we begin with is, can we fight injustice apart from Christ? Can we make Christ second and then find a stronger distinction with which to stand against injustice? Mm. Now, just in asking that question like that, it seems the answer is almost inherent in the question, right? It seems that the answer is like, 
for any Christian, you would say no. Like it seems mm. it seems automatic that you would say to make Christ secondary in anything that we do would seem to be a losing prospect. It, it would seem to be something where you would say no. Right. No, I, I mean, it seems easy. You know, it's it seems like right? a, like an easy answer. But like, like like you would. What do they call it? Open and shut case? Like yeah, it seems like it would be an like, open and shut case, right? It seems right? like it. But can I do this before we jump in? Yeah, go right ahead. I want to let everybody know about Opportunity for Young Men. Oh, yes. Um, it's called Men of Honor. Uh, and so this, is, this, this will be happening June 11th through July uh, 30th on Thursdays. Every Thursday starting June 11th uh, through July 30th from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. And so uh, the, men of, the, the mission of Men of Honor is to teach fatherless boys aged 7 to 17 to be godly young men. It will be taught the scriptures as well as life skills, such as how to change a flat tire, fill, fill out a job resume, be a gentleman, become a craftsman, and much more. If you want more information about that, you can go to <laughs> AFA, afa.net uh, slash men of honor. So mm-hmm. afa.net slash men of honor so it's it'll be a great chance if you know uh, a young man that will fit into this uh description to be able to be a part of this just to really have a chance to be poured into mm-hmm. by godly men um check that out and it'll be every thursday starting june 11th uh through july 30th wonderful opportunity wonderful opportunity we've done this before through the ministry of american family association and Man, it was just an incredible turnout for young men to have them exposed to um, those things that probably would not be typically yeah. on their plate, yeah. right? And and so, anyway, this is really, really great opportunity. So AFA.net, uh, mm-hmm. there's a Men of Honor link that our listeners could click on and learn more information about this? Yes, yes. Okay, very right. good. All right, so our question today is, can we fight injustice apart from Christ? Can we make Christ secondary and then stand against Want me to answer that? Yes, but we won't be done (laughs) and stand against wickedness. What's your answer, Will the Great? (laughs) No. Can we make Christ second? No. So so here's the reason. Here's the reason for this question, right? So there's a series of tweets that came from our brother, our brother in the Lord, the Bidi Anabwile. And if you're not familiar with him, he writes... Um, for the Gospel Coalition. He's very well known, um, you know, in historically defending the gospel and um, standing up for truth and unity. And and, and there was a, you know, we, we've been watching what's been happening with mm-hmm. critical race theory and right. intersectionality and all of these things for a number of years. And there was a moment where the Bidi Anabwile um, kind of jogged off the track, you mm-hmm. know, and, and we talked about that because... Yeah. There's no one that has to be sort of like your favorite where, you know, you have teachers that you enjoy listening to. And we've interviewed the BD and Abuile, actually. Right. It was a great interview. A great interview. Like it, this is not a personal thing. But when a person stands up and asserts something that I believe sincerely is antithetical to the gospel, then you can still be my friend. I will still call you friend. Mm-hmm. And better than that. Unless you prove yourself to be an apostate, I will still call you brother, Mm -hmm. but I will publicly correct you. I will because the gospel is at stake. Like that's not that's not something that we should take lightly. Like we should understand this. Like it wasn't a small thing. Like I think a lot of us, we have this picture of like Paul with, 
the Galatians saying that he opposed Peter to his face. And we think that he takes some kind of joy in that. I don't get the sense of that at all. I right. think understanding who Peter was and the role that he played in the church and the proliferation of the gospel. I think it is with great angst and pain that Paul says, I oppose Peter to his face. Hmm. He's talking about how grave this, this, this threat was to the gospel, right? right? This is not something that is small. So I want people to understand that when I do this and, you know, this is not something that I take lightly. All right. So having said all of that, let me get into the series of tweets here and I'm going to read it to you. So bear with me because I I think it's important for us to have a full picture of um, our brother's heart here and then to be able to have a conversation around where his feelings are. His feelings are legitimate. I mean, they are his own. Okay, so Mm -hmm. his feelings are valid. I'm not dismissing those feelings. But I think what he ultimately does with those feelings and where he lands um, is extremely problematic for the church. Yeah. Okay. And so I just feel like we need to have a conversation around that. So this is a series of tweets here, about 14 tweets that were tweeted out on May 30th. Okay. And of course, this is in response to what is happening right now in our country. And, And everybody is aware of the civil unrest that is taking place in our country. So this is uh, the B.D. Anabwile in his own words, series of 14 tweets. Bear with me. I'll try to get through all of them before the break and then come back and then we'll discuss what's problematic about it. So he writes this. I'm quoting him here. There's something I've been trying to find words to express for some time. I'm still not confident these are the words. Okay, but I will use them and ask you, dear reader, to receive them as best as God's grace will allow you. I am still grappling for better expression. That is fair, okay? And I may offer some commentary. I'll try to keep it to a minimum, but that is a fair way to start what he is about to say, okay? So let me just get into it. I am grateful for the many white brethren in Christ who have expressed genuine concern and weariness about recent events. I appreciate the expressions, and like many, I draw some encouragement from them. Please don't stop sharing how you feel. A lot of the expressions of empathy are addressed to African-Americans as brothers and sisters in Christ. And he puts that in quotes. A welcome that a well, I'm sorry, a welcome that recognition of our kinship in the Lord, especially when a number of other professing Christians weaponize and politicize that kinship to deny justice. So in other words, and maybe there's some words here that are missing, I don't know. But in other words, what he's saying is, I welcome that distinction that you're using that to unify us in standing against injustice. Okay, so basically that's what he's saying. But he continues, he says, but it must be said, and here's where I struggle to find the correct words, that the site of our struggle is not, he writes in all caps, our shared Christian faith. Therefore, Expressing Christian solidarity falls short of the kind of solidarity that's needed in the moment. Mm. To put it another way, I'm just going to continue. I'm I'm (laughs) holding back my commentary. Okay. To put it another way, he writes, this is the Bidiana Buile. To put it another way, George Floyd, a Christian as I understand it, was not, he writes in all caps, mistreated and killed because he was a Christian. Brianna Taylor was not killed because she was a Christian. Same for Ahmaud Arbery. 
the man in Central Park, he's talking about Christian Cooper and is running with the woman and the dog, right? Mm -hmm. The man in Central Park was not threatened because he was a Christian. They were killed or threatened because of the country's attitude toward black people. The site of the struggle is anti-black sentiment, discrimination, and injustice. Therefore, the solidarity most needed is with black people as a people, Christian or not. Mm. Now, again, if you're just tuning in, I am reading a series of tweets from pastor, teacher, um, the Bidiana Buile. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to continue on because I've got more from him. He says, I know some people from various ethnic backgrounds are attempting to express precisely that solidarity with black people as black people. I am grateful for that. But I want Christian brethren to realize that emphasizing Christian solidarity misconstrues the struggle. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> More misconstruing the struggle in this way forces a terrible choice upon black Christians. Do we embrace Christian solidarity to the detriment of black existence mm. and struggle? Or do we emphasize black survival flourishing to the detriment of Christian solidarity? <laughs> so he presents a clear sort of dichotomy here where it's like either we're going to focus on being black and let Christianity do whatever it's going to do. Or we're going to focus on being Christian and let exalting skin color do whatever that's going to do. <laughs> that's th that's the dichotomy here. This is these are our choices. These these are our binary choices, according to the BD and Abuile. And OK, I'm just going to continue here. I feel I get I'm, I'm getting a little worked up here already. OK, so <laughs> here down, we go. Calm down. calm down. All right. Which is the perfect <laughs> thing to say to a person who's getting worked up. They always want to hear calm down. Here we go. <laughs> This is a real world dynamic for many black Christians. It is not that we don't understand unity in Christ. It's that we cannot afford to underline that unity when the threat is against black people, whether or not they're Christians. <laughs> the extension of empathy only along Christian lines and with the tacit expectation that we define ourselves solely in terms of our Christian identity is ultimately a self-destructive proposition for the black Christian. We cannot accept such terms and survive. One last thing here. On the other hand, the rejection of Christian solidarity in order to emphasize black survival and well-being causes consternation for those of us who deeply believe in the gospel's reconciling power. Both options are a kind of suicide of something vitally important. We'll be right back after this. America, America, God shed His grace on thee. We've come too far, we've been through too much. Why would we ever leave? Man, Will, thank you. Welcome back to um, Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We are going into the thick of it today. I know this is going to, you know, this, this, is, this is just one of those conversations, all right? And so I'm trying to take my time with it because to be understood is better than to be hype, right? Like, it really, just to be understood and, and to say 
guys, we must continue to contend for the gospel. Jesus Christ is worthy that we fight for the gospel. We can't just Amen. roll over and give up on the truth because it gets hard or because it gets taxing or it gets tiring or because the forces of evil continue to beat on the door. Right. Like, that's what they're going to do. Like, but right. what did Jesus Christ promise? He promised that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen. Not that they wouldn't try, <laughs> not, right. not, you know, but that they would not prevail. So anyways, welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's John Howard, a song for the nation. Man. It's a great one. It's a great one. Sherry B is over in Studio CC. I will do my best to get to calls in the third segment. So hang hang tight with me. I'm using as the backdrop for the conversation a series of tweets written by pastor, teacher, author, um, Gospel Coalition member. Last I checked, um, the BDN Abuile, and um, he's basically making the case for why, at the point we are in right now in this country, it is more prudent for him to be black than it is for him to be Christian. And the fight and the struggle in this country cause for blackness to get top billing over the distinction of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm putting that in a nutshell, but that is what comes across through a series of tweets. There's about 14 of them in all. I'm not done. I want to go back to it. Um, and, and he tweeted this out on May the 30th. And um, he wraps up his tweet, which, by the way, because we were going to the break here, let mm -hmm. me let me pick up quoting him with that last tweet that I didn't finish because he makes the case where he says, you know, we've got to reject Christianity because Christianity is not under attack in the recent cases that we're seeing in this country. He says blackness is blackness is under attack. So we got to reject Christianity. We got to play to blackness because if not, we die. All right. And when we as black people, we die. All right. Um, and if you're, if you're listening and you are unsure at this point, because I can go in and out of my New Orleans. Um, I happen to be black. Will the Great happens to be black <laughs> as well. All right. We have always, forever and a day, made the case that Christ is over culture, that Christ is over ethnicity. I am a Christian before I'm anything else. That is my first and foremost distinction. I say that to anybody, in anybody's face, in anybody's letter, in anybody's post, all right? I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is this is the only source of salvation that people have. It's not going to mm. be in my blackness. That's right. You can't get saved because... Okay, let me take it down a second. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on just a second. Let me just say it like this. Let me say it in my Mr. Rogers voice. <laughs> you can't get saved because I'm black, okay? <laughs> but you sure can. You sure can be saved when you come to the cross and you find forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Mm. But you are not going to get there because I'm black. All right, so, um, and we have biblical support for this, but let's go back to the series of tweets coming from our brother, the BDN Abuile, which, by the way, I vehemently disagree with him, as you can tell, and I'm going to continue to unpack why um, in the time that we have left. He says, on the other hand, the rejection of Christian solidarity in order to emphasize black survival and well-being causes consternation for those of us who deeply believe in the gospel's reconciling power. <laughs> Both options, he says, are a kind of suicide of something vitally important. <laughs> so he ends this way. He says, what's needed is, and then he gives two points. Number one, solidarity with us as black people. 
and that's in um, that's set apart with two asterisks. And I and I think the reason for that is to put an emphasis on it, which is sometimes hard to do via Twitter and Facebook. But he says solidarity with us as black people. Then number two, he says you're emphasizing solidarity with black people to such an extent that we're in turn freed to accept and emphasize solidarity in Christ. So first Mm. show us that blackness matters and then we'll turn around and tell you, okay, and so does Christ. Man. Man. Guys, this (laughs) I, with respect. Okay. With respect. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) With respect, okay, there is no way that that is compatible with a true and biblical understanding of the gospel. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. If you, if you understand the smallest on, thing man. about the gospel, you understand that that notion flies in the face of what it is to truly come to Christ and to make much of him. He is worthy. He is worthy that we see him as he truly is, and that is that he is preeminent. That's right. That's right. He gets top billing. That's right. <laughs> like, guys, I, I don't, I don't under, I mean, he is the firstborn of all creation, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what, are we, what are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus Christ risen from the dead, a pattern for us that we too, dead in Christ, will rise again. That we don't have to perish because of our sin and be eternally separated from God. I'm paraphrasing Colossians here, by the way. Okay. So when you take Jesus Christ and you say, yeah, you know, I mean, Jesus is good and all, but really right now, and, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but, but let me just say this. It is, it's, it's actually, um, it's actually not true. Hold on. Let me pause for a second. Let me finish up his series of tweets. Okay, Cause we're not, we're not, once I can put a, 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 a fork in that, then we can move on. Okay. Pastor, teacher, gospel coalition writer, the BDN of Wile says until that happens. And what is the, that the, that is solidarity with us as black people emphasize. And, and then number two, you're emphasizing solidarity with black people to such an extent that we're in turn free to accept and emphasize solidarity in Christ until that happens. Listen, folks, he writes, we'll have to choose black solidarity before Christian to live. So now there are no plainer terms than that. That's that, that right there is, you know, I mean, that's, that says what it is, right? That that's pretty pretty plain. He says, I want you to be in the fight with us, but you need to be in the fight on the right basis. You'll need to understand how the current issue affects us as black people and not as Christian people. until you understand that you'll distract from the focus that's needed. And then he ends this way. He says, again, this is quoting here. The B the BDN Abuile says, again, I'm trusting your charitable reading and I'm grateful for your expressions of empathy. Stand with black people as black people because we're facing injustice as black people, not as Christians. I hope that's helpful in some way. Okay. So are we are we all on the same page here and that what we have just heard is that Christ is not sufficient to deal with injustice, well, right? That's, yeah, well, I mean, quite is that what you honestly, heard? what I've heard, what I heard was idolatry based upon skin. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, yes. if you say something is, you know, it's first before, you know, being a Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just see I see idolatry. So, yeah. Mm. yeah, I see I see idolatry and I also see an impotent cross. If I'm following the BDN Abuile, the cross is not sufficient mm-hmm. um, to deal with those things that ail us. I also the think that is it is enough. the gospel <laughs> is not enough. Yeah, that's what I would say that I would say what I observe here is that the gospel is not enough. Um, I would also say that there are some points that he makes here that are just inconsistent because what other faith or religion deals so head on with sin? And my question then is, do you put injustice in the category of sin? Mm. Is it rebellion against God? Does it, does it, mar the image of God and man, right? When we don't deal justly with one another, okay? Are we speaking against or acting against what we know to be true about the character and the nature of God? Uh, Yeah. And so if it's then, if it's a transgression against God's character and against God's nature, simply put, we call that sin. So I don't see fighting injustice as something that we say, oh, this is a black issue. Mm -hmm. And it is not something that diminishes the issue to say this is a sin issue. Right. And again, now I'm using Anabuile's commentary as the backdrop here, Mm -hmm. but I'm not directing my comments at him. Mm hmm. Yeah. I'm directing my comments at every Christian, and I don't care if you are black, if you are white, if you are Hispanic, if you are Asian. I don't care if you're Filipino. I don't care what your ethnicity is, okay? I'm directing my comments at you. If you diminish the cross because you prefer you, you're not worthy of it. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. I don't care what color your skin is. If you diminish the cross because you prefer you and you want you exalted over the cross— You have not mastered or learned what it is to take up your cross daily and follow Jesus Christ. Get the cross from around your neck, plant it, and then get on it and die. Mm. That's what your call is, right? You die to self and you are made alive in Jesus Christ. Now, as the Apostle Paul said, you are hidden in Christ Jesus. What room is there for you to be so enamored with yourself that you celebrate yourself over and above the cross. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the argument of people who still, <laughs> with respect and, and, and very chill fashion here, this is the argument of people who have not yet put the flesh to death. Mm. Now, I want to say this too, and this is also the argument of people who allow their understanding of sin to start with America. I'm, I'm wow. sorry. Yeah. I'm so, this is this. And, and look, and I'm, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be brilliant here. I'm really not. I'm not trying to be brilliant. I'm not trying to be heady. I'm not trying to be lofty. But I'm going to die defending the gospel. I'm going to di- I'm going to die saying the gospel is enough. All right. Because there is one who thought enough of me mm-hmm. to die for me. Do you understand? <laughs> So Jesus Christ is worthy. Do you understand? No one. Jesus didn't die for my blackness. Come on. He didn't die for your whiteness. Do you understand that? He died for your soul. This is what you do not see when you look in the mirror. (laughs) But this is what Jesus saw very clearly from the cross. Mm. So we are missing it. Look, before America 
was a glimmer in the founder's eyes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Before from sea to shining sea. Do you understand that the church was eradicating slavery? Before Congress shall make no law, the church was living authentic Christianity and abolishing slavery. But when your view of human wickedness, when your view of sin starts with America, then it gives way to this type of, how shall we say it, foolishness? Yeah. I mean, this is foolishness. This is partiality at its max. This is partiality. I'm black before I'm a Christian. I'm white before I'm a Christian. You're not worthy. You're not, you're not worthy. You, you understand that what Jesus secured for you was not something small. You see, but you're just, we're so used to the gospel. We are surrounded by the gospel all the time. So it's not precious to us. Mm. It's just Jesus. Man. It's just Jesus. It's just the cross, right? We wear them. We get them in gold, the <laughs> fake diamonds, you know, we don't care. But for those of us who understood where we were headed, it's like Jesus, mm. Jesus. And this is the desperate call. This should be the desperate call for everyone who speaks out in our country today. Jesus Christ over everything, because it is understanding what Jesus Christ secured for us. That causes us to stand up and say that's injustice yeah. without Christ. Your blackness is not going to pinpoint that injustice Come on. or your blackness or your whiteness or your Asianness or your Filipinoness, whatever <laughs> is only going to filter injustice through a partial lens, meaning it's only going to be wrong when it's against me. <laughs> you see, it can't be it can't be a, an injustice that transcends cultural lines. But here is why I think that one of the missing components of what we understand about our faith is really um, summed up in understanding church history and, and looking at how and, and beginning in the scriptures and just working your way. You know what I'm saying? Just beginning in the scriptures mm -hmm. and then learning how the church lived faithfully and authentically and suffered because of that faithful and authentic living. You see, we don't want to suffer. We don't want to hurt. So we keep trying to invent and come up with all of these clever ways to not have to be, you know, different and to not have to hurt. And, and it's not enough. It's not enough for Jesus Christ to restore all things. Like <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm tired of in the end we win. <laughs> I, I want right now. You understand this is this is the cry of people who don't understand what Jesus Christ has done. Right. Historically speaking, guys, if you read just if you want to call it secular history, that's fine. But you read secular history, you read church history and, and I'm, you, you put all of this together and you say, man, it really doesn't make sense what our brother is saying here, because historically speaking, and I'll use the closest comparison that we have. The closest comparison that we have to what he's saying would be Christian's involvement in the anti-slavery movement. And let me just tell you, the anti-slavery movement was dominated by Christians because Christian. <laughs> it was dominated by Christians because Christian. Not because white. <laughs> Not because white with power. But because Christian. Mm, and I'm, I'm going to read That's to good. you just a little bit so that you can come to understand that. 
prior to transatlantic slavery, prior to American slavery, slavery and varying views of people based on color and ethnicity were eradicated in the church before the larger external culture ever accepted it. The church was abolishing slavery. We'll grab this break and we'll be right back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow. Welcome back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Jay Carter with I Have Decided. I understand that I'm not a good person. I understand that I deserve death for my rebellion against God, that he is holy and I am not. And I understand that it is only through Jesus Christ that I have been reconciled to God and can even have any hope of reconciliation with my fellow man. Hmm. There's no way for that to happen. Do you understand? And and I look and I get it. I get it a lot. We, you know, we hearken back. We say, um, you know, all men are created equal. And that is true. Mm -hmm. That is true. All men are created equal. But do you know what happened? Sin marred that Mm. do you know what jesus christ did jesus christ made all men equal right so god created all men all men equal and sin marred that but then all men are made equal in christ so in christ now what sin destroyed from the beginning christ has restored he has made all men equal again right So there is no way that we can have calls for justice. There is no way that we can have calls for solidarity and not understand what Jesus Christ has done first and foremost. And the early church understood this. We have to understand that God absolutely saved civilization through Christ, through Christianity, not through cultural solidarity. Cultural solidarity has proven to be an utter failure over and over Mm -hmm. and over again. Mm -hmm. There is no cultural solidarity that is going to save civilization because men are wicked. That's right. That's right. But in Christ, in Christ, we find the kind of solidarity that the world can only hope for. Where... There are different people who come together under the one banner that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when we have that, man, it's such a downgrade to want to go to something beneath that. Come on. And just look for solidarity within, you know what I'm saying? Anything else, a color or whatever, a people group. It fails. Because we have, man, we have the biggest network, the biggest family (laughs) there is. You know, but it's a constant one to downgrade to put 
skin color and all this other stuff above, man, what we enjoy with the family of God. So now let me say this, and this is going to upset the blind patriot. If you are just a patriot because America and you don't understand the spiritual implications of what it means uh, for the founding of this country and mm-hmm. God's purpose in it, mm-hmm. then what I'm about to say is going to offend you. But if you understand Jesus Christ over everything, mm-hmm. then I hope what I'm about to say will enlighten you. And, and, and we may need to just make sure we open the phone line so that you can call and comment on it because um, let's go. 888-589-8840. And boy, I didn't get to a lot of the, the, the passages that I wanted to read here. But let me tell you something. There are many people who would say the reason we are suffering these constant tensions in our country is because of the sin of slavery, you know, because our country got it wrong. But can I ask this question? Who serves as really the gatekeepers in culture? Is it just the nation itself or is it the people of God? Who set the standard, right? Like who, who, is the, who are the people who are saying what is right and what is wrong and, and basically being Christ ambassadors? Like that's it's kind of like an obvious question, right? It's the Christians. Mm-hmm. It's us, right? So let me tell you where we got it wrong in America. We got it wrong in America when we did in America what had not been done in the history of the church. In fact, not since Jerusalem Council had we had any discussions about who's a Christian and and how to be a Christian and all of these things and what do you have to first become a Jew and then become a Christian or can you be a Christian without becoming a Jew? What we did in the United States of America was we created a black church and a white church and thereby what we did was we gave spiritual credence to division. And so now we continue to have these conversations because in the history of our country, not because there was slavery, because there's slavery for millennia. Right. But what we did had deep spiritual implications. We then took the the sick, sinful acts of slavery Mm -hmm. and we linked that to Christian conviction. And then we divided the body of Christ over it. So you and your color and your folks, you worship here Mm. and you and your color and your folks, you worship here. And we continue on like this to this day. (laughs) And that is why we continue to have these spiritually charged conversations about color and ethnicity, because wherever you see much is made of Christ This conversation is diminished. Come on. People say, oh, I don't believe you. Well, check out Antioch. Go to (laughs) Acts chapter 11. Let's let's check out Antioch. What happened? Or go back before then. Go go to Acts chapter 6. And you can see the distinction there because you look at Acts chapter 6 and you see the Hellenist Jews. And and who are these people? These are the Greek-speaking Jews. They have converted to Judaism. And so they have received all the rights and privileges of being Jews. They're not mm-hmm. really Jews, but they have given into circumcision. So they're now recognized as Jews. So you have you have diversity of sorts, mm-hmm. but it's it's diversity to the extent that you become like me. <laughs> you see. And then even with that experiment, it fails because it's like, hey, our widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution. Give us justice. And what do the apostles do? The apostles are like, okay, look, look, man, we got to give ourselves a prayer and the preaching of the word. So you know what we need? We need seven men full of the spirit of God. (laughs) And it's interesting that these men also (laughs) happen to be Hellenist Jews. 
It's, that, I mean, you can't ignore that. That's in the scriptures, right? So these men are raised up to take care of those needs. Those needs are not ignored. But boy, it is not until you get to Antioch where you have the first truly diverse church and the first truly diverse church is birthed out of persecution mm. where now Stephen is stoned and the Hellenist Jews are the ones who flee Jerusalem. <laughs> They're like, we got to get out of Dodge. They go, right? And so where, where do they end up going? They end up in Antioch. They end up in Syria. And they, and they form this church, but the, the Hellenist Jews have the right to go and preach in the synagogues. So the Hellenist Jews can move in and out of culture. So they're preaching to the Jews and to the Greeks. They're pe <laughs> preaching to Jews and Gentiles. And so what happens? The Antioch church is exploding yeah. with diversity. Yeah. So much so that they hear about it back in Jerusalem and they're like, yo, hold up. <laughs> You know, the little Hellenist Jews that we let worship with us, <laughs> they bringing in the they bringing in the Gentiles. <laughs> Who shall we send down there to go check it out? And the spirit of God leads them to send Barnabas. Praise mm, God. Yeah. Praise. Praise God. They didn't send James. I'm just saying James was also known <laughs> as he was, James the just. He probably would have been like, no. <laughs> but they send Barnabas and Barnabas is like, man, yo, this is good. <laughs> this is good. This becomes Paul's hub. This diverse church. They've got elders. They've got people in positions of leadership. One of them is called Niger. <laughs> I don't know if you guys like, you know, it's, it's black. <laughs> but they're truly enjoying diversity. This is a wealthy church. They're aiding the saints. It is explosive. And what's so explosive about it? Well, as a result of this church, the Jerusalem Council takes place. Acts chapter 15. Hey, man, you know, a lot of Gentiles are coming to the faith. We, we caught wind of what's happening in Antioch. Do these people need to be circumcised? In other words, do they need to become Jews first and then Christians? No, actually, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> Jesus Christ is for everyone. He died for everyone. Peter, you should know this. Hello, Cornelius, scrolls, unclean animals. <laughs> Come on. Right? Get with it here. So what do we have? We have a thriving church. And let me tell you something, even existing for hundreds of years under imperial rule and imperial persecution, please understand that the church was diverse. Please yeah. also understand that that was one of the things that led to the persecution of the church. The church was accused of being levelers in Roman culture. It was a part of their culture to have slaves and nobles. By the way, the slaves outnumbered the nobles, but the nobles had the power. But what was the church doing? The church was a threat to Roman culture. Why? Because the church did not maintain that kind of standard. So you could have a slave out in the culture, mm -hmm. but when they came to the church, they were like a bishop. They were in positions of leadership. And the Romans were like, no, y'all can't do that. They called them levelers. So why would you throw that off just to be black? Mm. Why would you give that up Come just on, to man. be white? You can you can be white and just you just be white and be don't just but don't worry about calling yourself a Christian. Just be white. Be proud to be white. Be black. Be proud to be black. Don't even vacillate back and forth. Don't worry about what it is to be black and a Christian. Don't feel any angst. You're not doing us any favors. Go be black. But I'm choosing Christ over culture. Come on. Amen. Because he's worthy of that. Amen. Because when Christ is inserted into the conversation, then you have changes happening even before they're happening in laws and in government when the church gets it right. So the biggest problem that we had in the United States of America 
was not even institutionalized slavery as many people want to say it was. It was that the church didn't show up. Mm. The church got it wrong. All right. I know mm. we only have about seven minutes. Oh, um, man. No, that's Let's go to the phone lines. Good. Where do we go first, Will the Great? <laughs> All right. Let's go to Keith in uh, Michigan. Hi, Keith. Hello, Keith. Oh, hold on. My bad, Keith. That's it's my fault. All right. Hello, Keith. Hi. Hey, Hi. thanks for taking call. I'll tell you what, when she is fired up with the Holy Spirit, <laughs> she's fired up. I can't imagine what it's like at the dinner table. Oh, man. Um, Great. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, one, one experience that I had in knowing, it, experiencing the unity of being a Christian is that I will, being in Michigan, I'm near the Amish, mm-hmm. you know, down in Indiana and whatnot. And I've ex- ran into a few. They were giving some of the, selling some of the wares. I was talking to them. They said, are you a Christian? Yes. And said, brother. Mm. And it's <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. You know, it doesn't matter what they, wh- how they believed or anything. They, they called me brother. Wow. And because wow. we're brothers in Christ and brothers Amen. and sisters in Christ. It's like, wow, this is a family. It doesn't matter. They, they worship God in a certain way that I don't, mm-hmm. but we're all Christians. Amen. Mm, I mean, amen. The unity of the cross. Point. Thank you so much, Keith. Man. Appreciate you calling in with that. Man, that is a, <clears throat> that's a blessing that we in the body of Christ enjoy yeah. that transcends our culture. Amen. Amen. You understand? That's around the world. That's everywhere. <laughs> you know, brothers and sisters, you know, family of God. Amen. Amen. Where do we go next, Will the Great? Okay, let's go to Mike in West Virginia. Hi, Mike. Hi, thank you for taking my call. No problem. Um, Hello. I uh, wanted to say, uh, first of all, you're not going to defeat evil without the Lord's help. And second, I think there's something wrong with the way a lot of policemen are trained. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, okay, well, I will, I will say, I appreciate you, Mike. I, I will you, say Mike. this. The law enforcement officers that I talk to, and I don't know in what way that Mike means, but I will tell you this. The law enforcement officers that I've exchanged with say that what, and I think we all know what you're talking about here, George Floyd in the video, the knee for almost 10 minutes on his neck. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not consistent with yeah, law enforcement they, training. They say that, that's, I've not, that's not I've not it. talked to anyone right. who said, yeah, we're trained to do that. Not right. one person. Me either. Not one person. <laughs> Me either. Not one. No, All right. You. Where do we go next, Will the Great? All right. Let's go to uh, Miranda in North Carolina. Hi. Hi, Miranda. Hi. This is my first time calling in, and I'm pretty sure my husband's listening if he's driving home from work. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for calling. Um. <laughs> But I just wanted to call and agree with you guys, and um, I believe in the way, and we also teach our children, is that um, kingdom over culture, the kingdom of God, and what we stand for under Christ comes Mm -hmm. before anything that our culture is doing. And, um, And right now, for me, as a Christian woman, um, raising children, and I am actually from a um, interracial family where mm-hmm. um, I was raised in an all-black home mm-hmm. in an all-black neighborhood, mm-hmm. and I can tell you that um, 
that my heart does break. But here is the thing is that if the I also agree that if the church were to stand up and to say this is not how God has created for each one of us because of the fall that has happened to man, you know, it's our responsibility as a church to to come alongside and show what the actual love of Christ is. Amen. Miranda, I could not agree with you more. In fact, <clears throat> to your point, this is an opportunity for the gospel presentation. Yeah. This definitely. is an opportunity for the gospel presentation. If we shirk that, if we say, well, you know, I'm not a Christian right now. This is just about me being black. Where is the salvation in that? Mm -hmm. You might. And then, man, oh, I, we're out of time. But let me let me also just say this. One of the reasons that I have not hammered on this on the air and on social media is because I'm not running into people who think that what happened to George Floyd is OK. Right. I don't know the people who are saying, yeah, that was right. Eight and a half or so minutes on his neck. Um, yeah, that should have happened. I don't know those people. Right. So what I'm saying is this is an opportunity for the gospel to be presented. And if we give that up, then where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? All right. We are out of time for today. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.